Isaac is, a, is a, at least an adolescent young man. I've heard some people say Isaac was 30 years old. I, I, I don't know about that. Conventional wisdom is Isaac was probably a, a, just an early teenager, a young man. <clears throat> a young teenage boy, an adolescent. And let's read here Genesis 22. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now, when I read that, and as I read that, there's some questions that come to my mind. Have you ever wondered how did Abraham, how did Abraham know it was God? There, there's nothing that we know of that would give Abraham an indication that God was in the practice of asking people to offer their children as burnt offerings. As a matter of fact, this is diametrically opposed to everything that we know about God. It doesn't say that Abraham was there and God appeared physically to him. We do know that the angel of the Lord, the pre-incarnate, the, the, the Christ, there, there have been manifestation, manifestations of the pre-incarnate Christ. Some say the angel of the Lord referred to in the Old Testament is that manifestation of the Son of God. And we know on, on, on occasion... The angel of the Lord appeared to Abraham when Abraham was trying to figure out what was going to happen to Sodom and Gomorrah. But here it doesn't say anything like that. It just says that God said. Have you ever wondered how did Abraham know this was the voice of the Lord? I mean, it doesn't sound like it would be God. Has God ever spoken to you and told you something and you, you were like, oh, that can't be God. Remember when, remember when Jesus told Peter, he said, hey, I'm going to have to suffer at the hands of sinners and I'm going to die. And Peter rises up and he says, no, Lord, God forbid, that cannot happen to you. And Peter, in his passion for Jesus, said those words and Jesus turned to Peter and he said, get behind me, Satan. Because in Peter's mind, what Jesus was saying just Flew in the face of what, what he believed should have happened. And I'm amazed here that, that Abraham, it seems, was able to obey so readily the command of the Lord when the command of the Lord seemed so opposed to what he should want. After all, this was the son that was going to become the descendant of Abraham who would cause his descendants to number as the sand and the stars. How's that going to happen if he's going to take him up to a mountain and, and sacrifice him? But yet, Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and, and Isaac his son and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him and then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar. Do you, see the, do you see the symbolism here? Do you see? I mean, why the third day? You know, God doesn't put things in Scripture accidentally. 
It could have been the fifth day, it could have been the seventh day, it could have been the second day, but it was the third day they come to the mountain. On the third day, he's going to offer Isaac. On the third day, on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. You see, the seed, the promised seed that was promised to Abraham, do you realize that that it was Christ? Paul tells us this in Galatians. It wasn't seeds plural, it was seed singular, and that seed is Christ. And the promise that God promised to Abraham was not just a big family, but it was that through your descendant, the seed shall come. What seed? The seed that will, the seed that was prophesied in Genesis 3.15. The seed that would crush the head of the serpent. The seed that would bring redemption. The seed that would make all things right. And here on the third day, Abraham lifts his eyes and he saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and look at this church, and we will come back to you. Do you catch what Abraham just said? Do you see the faith of Abraham? Abraham never argued with God. He did exactly what God told him to do. Now, I'm not saying he didn't have questions. I don't think Abraham could be human and not have questions. But he didn't allow his questions to keep him from obeying. See, obedience, is, obedience doesn't mean you have all your questions answered. And you've got it all figured out in your mind and now you're ready to obey God. Obedience, I believe most of the time when God calls us to take a step of faith and he calls us to obey, I believe the vast majority of times that creates more questions than we had to begin with. And God never said obey after you get all your questions answered. He just says obey. What about my questions, God? And and I don't mean this to be rude, but I'm telling you what, in a sense, God's not concerned about our questions. But He is concerned about our obedience. And so, questions, no questions, I don't know. Whatever, Abraham obeyed. And he makes a statement, a statement of faith. He doesn't say, we might come back. He said, we will. We. Only two went. So it wasn't, I will come back. He will come back. But we will come back. We are going And we will come back. And so, Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. Took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, son. And then he said, Look, the fire... And the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself 
the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Again, there is the faith of Abraham. Now Abraham has already said, we will go and worship and we will come back. When Isaac asked a very natural question, I understand we're going to offer a burnt offering to the Lord, Dad, on the mountain. I see the wood, I'm carrying it. I see the fire in your hand, I see the knife in your hand, but I don't see the lamb. Where's the lamb? You understand that Isaac has no clue that he is the object of the sacrifice. And his father says, Son, the Lord will provide for himself a lamb. Do you know, church, that God provided for himself a lamb? And it's not the one we'll see in a few verses. Yeah, he provided that one too. But Abraham spoke prophetically of something that was to come. That was not a reality yet, but was to come. And he said, the Lord will provide for himself a lamb. Verse 9. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. He bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. I can't even imagine what is happening here. It doesn't give us any clue about what Isaac is doing. It seems that Isaac is in perfect submission to his father. It seems as though Abraham is just very matter-of-factly, very systematically doing exactly what God has directed him to do. He knew how to offer a burnt offering to the Lord. This was not the first burnt offering that Abraham had offered to the Lord. But it was the first time that his son would be the offering that he would offer. So he knew exactly what to do to offer a burnt offering to the Lord, but he had never offered his son before. But he is preparing this burnt offering just as he had prepared every other burnt offering that he had offered to the Lord. He bound him, he laid him on the altar upon the wood, and Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Now I'm talking to you tonight about faith, church. This is an extreme, this is what I call extreme faith. I doubt any of us here are going to be required to offer our child to the Lord. In this way. But. We have a family here whose son. Has battled leukemia. And in a sense. They have had to. Put that son on the altar and say God he's yours. You know someone, a friend, a family member. We all know people.
our own lives. Can we, can we put ourselves on the altar and offer ourselves to God and trust God to do what God will do? Now it's easy, it's easy to stand here and to tell you all the pat things and all the pat scriptures and, and to try to pump you up and even bring you into denial But the bottom line is, do we trust God to do what God is going to do? We claim the promises, we proclaim the word, we stand on the word. But the bottom line is, I only have enough light to walk one step at a time. Am I going to stop where I am Because I'm afraid of the unknown or am I going to continue to walk in the light that God gives me, trusting, trusting God and believing that he is trustworthy. I'm telling you, Abraham, every step of the way, he demonstrated faith, even to the point that he stretched out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. Verse 11, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven. From heaven. I love that. And he said, Abraham, Abraham. And so he said, here I am. I wonder if Abraham thought to himself, it's about time. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram. Not a lamb, but a ram. May seem like a kind of an insignificant little detail. Abraham said, God will provide the lamb. But he didn't provide a lamb, he provided a ram. He provided a ram that day. The lamb that God would provide for himself was the lamb who would hang on the cross and offer his life and his blood for the sins of all humanity. But here on this day, on the third day of his journey, and in this, Isaac... Isaac is a type of the resurrection. Isaac is a type, really, of us, in a sense. It should have been us crucified. It should have been us taking that penalty for sin. But instead, it was the lamb that God chose for himself. So... Abraham gets the ram, he took the ram and he offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. 
Do we believe that the Lord will provide, church? Do you believe that God will provide? Whatever it is you're trusting God for, whatever your situation is, whatever your circumstance is, there will be a temptation to stop dead in your tracks. There will be a temptation to make your own way because you don't like the direction God may be taking you. There will be the temptation to turn around and go back where you came from because that's what you're familiar with. And many times that's exactly what we do. We go back to our safe places. We go back to what we're familiar with because it's what we know. But it's not where God wants us to be. We're living in a day and a time right now. Always has been, but it seems to be magnified now. That we must become people of faith. And faith can't just be a byword. And faith can't just be a doctrine. Faith can't just be part of our belief system and our doctrinal statement. Faith has got to become a reality in our life. And God is not obligated and he will not show you the end of the trail. But I do believe this. I do believe that by the Spirit, by the Spirit, God will reveal what needs to be revealed. Why was Abraham so able to do what he did? Why was Abraham able to say, without hesitation, me and the boy will go to the mountain and worship and we will be back? How was Abraham able to say with such certainty, Isaac, the Lord will provide for himself a lamb. I believe he was able to say it because I believe he saw. He had already seen by faith. Go to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, let's just begin in verse 8. This is about Abraham and Sarah. It says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited, look at this church, for he waited... For the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He, he didn't build for himself a city. He dwelt in tents as a temporary residence because he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Do you think he saw that city? I believe he did. I believe by faith he saw it. I believe the Spirit of God gave him a revelation of the promise And the promise was more than just a piece of real estate. And it goes on and it says, talks about Sarah. Look at verse 13. Then all died, these all died in faith, not having received the promise, but look at this, but having seen them, 
afar off and were assured of them. They embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrim, pilgrims on the earth. They did not receive the promise, but they saw the promise. The promise to Abraham was a seed. The seed didn't manifest in his day, but he saw the seed. How do we know? How do we know he saw the seed? Because Jesus said, Abraham saw me in my day. Go to John chapter 8. Now really to do this justice, you need to read the entire chapter. You need to read all of John chapter 8, but we can't do that tonight. So just trust me on this. Because it all goes together, it's all in context here. Let me just read to you John 8, 24. Here's Jesus talking to the Pharisees. Let's begin in verse 23. And Jesus said to them, you are from beneath and I am from above. You are of this world, I am not. Of this world. Verse 24, therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am He. Actually, that word He is inserted there to give us a, a, an understanding. But understand, Jesus did not say, I am He. Jesus said, if you do not believe that I am. Now, I am He makes it easier for us to understand, but understand this. In Jesus' Jewish culture, the he meant nothing, but the I am meant everything. Because that was the name of God. If you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins, is what Jesus told them. If you don't believe that I am. And he goes on and he, he tells them, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And he's talking to them and he comes down here, look at verse 54. He said, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Verse 56, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it. Now, Jesus just said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. And the Jews said to him, you're not even 50 years old, and you, you say that Abraham, you've seen Abraham. And Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And they picked up stones to kill him because he just blasphemed. He just called himself God. But my point is this, Jesus said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it, and he was glad. And this church is why I'm telling you that in these days we're living and we've got to get a revelation of Jesus. See, when Abraham went to that mountain, he had already seen the resurrected Christ. He knew somehow, some way, Isaac was going to make it because he saw the seed that would come through Isaac. He saw Jesus. 
in his day. He didn't see the baby Jesus in a manger. He saw the resurrected Christ is who he saw. He saw the resurrected Christ. He saw the new Jerusalem, the city whose foundations and builder are, are, are God. The city with foundations whose builder and maker is God. And what were the foundations? The foundations were the 12 tribes of Israel. The represent, and, and the, the gates were what? They were the, 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 the apostles. You see the, the symbolism there? Abraham saw it by faith. By the Spirit. Church, we need a revelation of Jesus Christ because we need to be able to see some things in the Spirit that aren't readily evident and able to see in the natural. Because you're living in very natural circumstances and if you try to understand, if you try to figure out, if you try to make it through natural wisdom to try to work out your natural circumstances, it ain't going to happen. Because you need something more than natural wisdom. You need something more than natural power. You need more than willpower. You need Holy Ghost power. You need a revelation from heaven that will show you something that is beyond your natural circumstances. And though you might not know what's going to happen five steps from now, you know what God is telling you to do. How did Abraham know the voice of the Lord. I don't know how he knew it, but he knew the voice of the Lord. And we're living in a day when there are so many voices in the land. We better know the voice of the Lord. Because the voice of the Lord will lead us and guide us into truth. He'll lead us and guide us to our deliverance. He'll lead us and guide us in the right way. And there will be voices saying, don't don't sacrifice your son. God wouldn't do that. Don't go to that mountain. God wouldn't ask you to do that. Don't do that. That's not God. Don't do that. That's No, you better know the voice of the Lord. You better have ears to hear the Spirit of the Lord. We need to have eyes to see through the Spirit. We need to have faith that's not based on our natural understanding, but on a spiritual revelation that we can only get. By the Holy Spirit. Because we're facing circumstances today that seem to have no natural answers. But our God is a God who will make a way where there seems to be no way. And if God can make a way for mankind to come out of sin and death, then I promise you He can make a way in your circumstance. I didn't say he'll always do what you want him to do. I didn't say he'll always do it how you want him to do it and when you want him to do it. That's where it comes down to trust. Do we trust him? It may not be what I want, how I want it, when I want it, but do I trust him? And all we are left with, church, and, and it's being stripped away from us daily, we are being left with nothing but simple faith in God. Our money's not going to be the answer. Our possessions aren't going to be the answer. Our influence is not going to be the answer. God is the only answer that we have. And if you don't know that right now, you will come to know it before it's all said and done. And we might as well just purpose in our hearts right now that we're going to trust God. That we're just going to trust him.
Whatever else God allows me to have, whatever else God puts at my disposal, I'm going to use it to the fullest. But my trust is not in those things. My trust is in God and God alone. We need to learn to hear his voice. We need to learn to recognize his voice. And if we know his voice and we're able to hear his voice and we understand who he is. See, Abraham had a revelation of the resurrected Christ. Do you realize that what Abraham saw by the Spirit, what he saw by the Spirit, that was thousands of years. I mean, we are, we are, we are now how many, how many thousands of years? The, the first Passover was celebrated 1,500 years before Jesus' birth. So Abraham saw about 2,000 years into the future. And he saw the resurrected Christ. Do you realize that we are living, we are experiencing the reality of what Abraham saw by faith? What he saw by faith, what he longed for, we are it today. We are the enduring city of God. We are the new Jerusalem. We are the church, the bride, the redeemed of the Lord. We are the city God has put his name upon. We are the city he dwells within. Abraham didn't settle for anything in the natural because he waited for that day when he would become the city of God. When he would be one whom God would take residence in. It was not possible in his day. But today it is possible. We have received a better covenant based on better promises. We have every reason, church, every reason to be men and women of faith. To trust God because God has already proven himself trustworthy. He has brought the promise to pass. We just need to trust him as we walk it out. And we need to trust that he knows how to get us through the valley of the shadow of death. He knows how to get us up on the mountain and he knows how to bring us back down the mountain. We got to trust. Amen. So I want to encourage you. Quit, quit giving place to your circumstances. Quit letting those things consume you. Whatever you have to do, however you need to do it, you become a child of faith. You turn your eyes from those foolish things and you put your eyes on the Lord and you let God you let God begin to build faith in you so that you can, like Abraham, do whatever, go wherever, and know that at the end of the day, God has won. He's won the day. He will provide. In the mount of the Lord, He will provide. Amen? Let's all stand. And let's all just join hands, just right where you are. Go.